Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where the Orchard of Wisdom shows are at your fingertips. It ignites your soul, your heart, your spirit, your mind, and your body with illumination from people who have made the journey before you. They're here now to help you on your journey, on your path of self-discovery. We are funded by you, the audience, and the people we interview. If you wish to support us, please go to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com and press on our Fund Action button. Anything is appreciated. We would like you to sit back and enjoy the shows. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Ignite Your Heart and Soul right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest today is Richard V. Battle. My apologies. It's just telling me that we, he's coming on the show and it's big ding dong in the background. <laughs> we are going to be talking about today, kind of igniting our heart and souls about money can't buy everything. Yes, it's very important in our lives for the roof over our head and our security, but it's not the be all and the end all. And that the real treasure can be in, in faith and in hope and in love and in just simple kindness and wonderment towards life. So how are we going to ignite our heart and soul? How are we going to actually look at life from a different point of view? Because yes, we are looking at life, uh, especially with the present moment, COVID and everything else. It's put prices up everywhere where we can go. So how do we actually take the money down and put the faith and hope up. How do we look at that as the true treasure in life? Well, he says we all need money to survive. No amount of money can buy peace, happiness, joy, love, or friendship. Yet humans continue to pursue the riches, believing it will solve all their problems. In a recent article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, details treasure hunters suing the federal government for documents related to a lost war gold shipment. The military lost the gold in 1863, and the hunters have pursued it since. Finders keep a group led by the Parada family have spent decades searching for the treasure and the plaintiffs in the lawsuit. This is his latest book, Life's Daily Treasure. He's also written numerous other books. Um, and we're going to be talking about those as well today. But he says, first, we must prioritize faith, family, relationships over the acquisition of money. It is effortless for men to fall into the trap of prioritizing, providing financially for their families and missing the essential things in life. It is essential to live balance in our spirituality, family, physical, mental, financial and social areas of our life. He believes that faith in God helped him survive Heart procedures, divorce, cancer, surviving an apartment fire that killed a neighbor, rebound from financial devastation and a crushing blow of his only son's passing. Ah, well, first and foremost, I do feel very, very sorry for your son's passing. No parent ever wants to see their child go before them. And that must have been a devastating blow in itself. Well, uh, Sarah, thank you for having me again. And yes, that was the worst of mm -hmm. life's challenges that I faced. And I'm not an exception. I mean, there's other people who faced more challenges than I have, but I've tried to learn from each one of those and tried to use each one of those to help me. And then in turn, where I can try to help others when they face challenges in life. Um, the ultimate challenge that I think, um, but you know, divorce and heart procedure, fire. I mean, you certainly have gone through the ringer. Um, there are many, many people that go through just one thing and kind of give up 
you know, they surrender to the victimization or they surrender to, yes. to uh, you know, the, the trauma of it and they get caught up in the drama of it. And, you know, uh, as proven in that one sentence is you've been knocked down a few times, but you came back up. And would you say that's your faith that helped you get back up each time? Well, the faith is definitely very, very important in helping on that. And you're correct. Our culture in both of our countries promotes victimization. They, mm -hmm. they want the people to be victims because the governments want to be the saviors to everybody, but they're not. And our parents and grandparents went through much tougher times than mm -hmm. we've gone through. And as young people told me that COVID, how could it be any worse than the COVID years. And I said, well, I've been through a lot worse than COVID. And there's been people who've been through a lot worse yes. than I've been through as well. And each time we go through those challenges, it's up to us to use that and get back up as an example for those coming behind us, just like our parents and grandparents were for us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, you know, think of people in war-torn areas or think of, you know, um, our parents, I'm from England, um, you know, my Dad was a, a squadron leader, a fighter pilot in the war. And, you know, it, they never knew the silent bombs or if it was going to hit them. Um, they never knew if they were going to get the telegram, you know. And the thing is, uh, food was short, you know, a lot of things going on. Yet they pulled together because they all knew they were in it together and everybody stepped up to help one another. And sometimes in the worst situation, we see the best of humanity. Now, why can't we be at our best all the time? Well, and that's a great question. And since World War II, we've not been as in as big a challenge as that globally. Yes. And I always like to use the illustration of Leningrad, which is St. Petersburg now. The Germans put the city under siege in December of 1941, 873 days. They estimated 800,000 to a million civilians died of starvation or disease. And it was so bad that when someone in your house died, you just put their body out on the curb the next day and a horse-drawn wagon hauled them off for mass burial. Yeah. And those people in that city that survived and they are thriving now, and yes, we're going through other situations, but they went through things much tougher than most of us are going through now or have gone through in our lives. Yes. We get a little cushy, you know, you know, oh, my yes. phone isn't working. Ah, life's come to an end. Excuse me. You know, it's like, let's prioritize. And, and, you know, as we started off, you know, money isn't everything. Yes. I'm not, I haven't got anything against money. I haven't got anything against people becoming rich. I think the more you have, the more, you can seed opportunities for other people, right? So be rich, aim to be rich, but who is paying for you to be rich? And we, we see so many CEOs up in their ivory towers, totally disconnected from the people in the grindstone that are keeping them up there with a lack of gratitude, a lack of appreciation, a great deal of entitlement. And it's like, well, I've got the money, so I've got the power. But if you really look at them, they're sad little people lonely, sad, disconnected from everything in life and beyond. And yeah, they're rich, money only. Are they rich in anything else? Well, that, that's exactly true. And Life's Daily Treasure, people ask me why I wrote it. Well, in the fall of 2020, when we were going through COVID, I was using things to help keep my spirits up. 
Mm -hmm. uh, inspirational quotes from scripture, motivational quotes. Uh, I got tired of people trashing the United States. And so I looked for things to celebrate the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so this book, which has 366 days, there's each day, there is a inspirational quote. There's a motivational quote. There's one of my inspirational quotes. Mm -hmm. And then there's three listings uh, on a birthday of an American citizen who did something special, uh, anniversary of an American achievement, and celebration of the National Day. One day might be National Pizza Day. Right. And it just takes a minute or so each yeah. day to look at, but it's something that if someone will look at it each day, I guarantee you it will lift their spirit and show them that there are positive opportunities to go out and they can influence their day by being positive over being negative. Amen. 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 You know, um, I always believe that true enrichment, abundance in life comes from the heart and soul. It comes from kindness. It comes from giving and it comes from love itself. You know, God is love and that's what he tries to teach us. And we can't find love unless we find kindness, appreciation, gratitude, caringness, you know, that empathy and compassion. And if we can't bring those ingredients up, we're not going to reach that beautiful love vibration. And simple gratitudes, even waking up in the morning. Ah, thank you. I woke up. I have an opportunity of another day. It's the tiny, simple things. But it's always it's what you seed and water is what's going to grow. Do you yes. want a really another disgruntled day? Do you want another day of hard misery? Or are you going to plant the seeds? the night before, in the morning, water them and go, this is going to be a beautiful day. Two other interesting data points on this particular volume. Each day of the 31 days of a month is a subject. So the first of the month is always joy. The second's honor. The third's mm. heart. Uh, the 17th's encouragement. Mm. Uh, overcomer, wisdom, faith. So every each day of the month has a different subject. And what was interesting when we were looking at the piece about money and, and money won't buy you happiness. I, I did a word search and the word money is not in this volume one time. Mm. So all of the motivation and inspiration does not use the word money once, even though we, we all need money. Uh, we don't want to get out of balance in our lives where we focus too much on money and men, especially men who provide yeah. for their families, we have a tendency to do that. And there's been times I did that in my life as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the breadwinner and the kids, what they demand and, you know, uh, or we, you know, we've got to pay the mortgage, you know, and it's, uh, and, and especially in unsure times, you know, we, we're now, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're now in an economic recovery and we're also in an emotional restabilization. And um, yes, so many people, who have had that cosmic two by four and it's flattened them. They're getting up and they need help along the way to get back on their feet and to find that new direction. And that generally costs money to find those coaches and those people. So that is what we call investing in yourself. And that is ultimately where down the road, I want to have a foundation that supports that it's called fund action, which will actually pay for the services for people who can't afford them for those people to, to regrow uh, into who they really are and what they're really here meant to be. But I'm glad that you didn't put money into that. Again, money is not the evil, folks. We all need it. But when you step into the priority of joy, of happiness, of 
contribution of service to one another, the money will come. The late Robert Schuler had a quote that inspired me many years ago. He said, if you had a problem that you could write a check and solve, you didn't have a problem, you have an expense. Mm, and that's one. so often true. Mm. And there's ways to find money to take care of those expenses. Sometimes it's more difficult than others. Yes. And, and I've been, I've had, I've been broke. So I, I've been there, know how that is, but I, I was blessed to be able to recover from it. And so many, so many people who've been successful in life who preceded us have been broke before yes. and had money challenges and yes. have come back. And when they come back, they treat money differently yeah. than they did before they were broke because they realize that whether they're up or down, that they can come back and succeed over and over and over again. They're actually grateful for it. You know, I mean, I've, I've been doing this, I'm coming up to 10 years now, and I've interviewed some people that have really gone through some things that no human being should go through. But it just shows our resilience, our tenacity, our ability, you know, the courage and the strength that lies within us. And every single one, and, you know, every single one of them were flattened financially as well as on top of everything that happened to them. But every single one of them said they wouldn't change anything because who they are today and what they're doing and in the understanding, the comprehension of what they're doing and the power behind what they're doing was worth the journey, was worth yes. the journey to get there. And so, you know, if you're knocked down or if you get broke or, you know, have a breakup or anything like that, it's not the end of the world. It's no. just the end of that chapter. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I, I've been blessed. I've had many great successes in my life. And as we've talked about, I've had some challenges as well. None of the challenges were pleasant going through them, but I'll have to say that the lessons learned from yeah. each of those challenges uh, have been beneficial to me. And one of the things I learned after, after losing my son, and I wrote Surviving Grief by God's Grace uh, about that loss and how the faith journey brought me back. But people normally, when they have a challenge, the first thing they say is, why me? Yes. And I believe that looks in the past and I believe it's a focus on self. Whereas what I determined that was important for me is to, to ask the question, what now? Mm. And what now looks to the future? Yes. And what I found was, was when I focused on myself, then I would feel sorry for myself. Why, why did I lose my son? Why did I go through this experience? But when I focused on what now and the lesson I needed to learn to go forward, and I focused on how I could use that lesson to help others, then I would forget my pain because I'd be focused on the future and helping others. And, it, and it's helped me go through every challenge I've been through. I've interviewed a lot of people who have lost their children, and each and every one of them has said that it's been a catalyst to doing something in their name or with their energy within them, um, with that purpose, and that although the, the child may not physically be there anymore, they are spiritually with them, leading them on, being their partner in whatever they're doing, and that it, it became the catalyst to doing something that was very, very important for others. Yes, well, I, I tell people I don't grieve where my son is, I grieve where he isn't. Mm -hmm. But I also, uh, the first lesson in surviving grief by God's grace was the impact of life is more important than its length. Yes. 
And every time, and this book's been out 20 years now, but I'll have people come up to me who will read it currently and say, thank you, this really helped me. And every time there's anything positive out of that, it adds to the impact of my son's life. Exactly. And it's a positive, even though he's not here. And, you know, I'm a kind of a believer that we kind of write a soul contract before we come here. We're all here for a reason. And, you know, some, some are only here to be a beautiful blazing light for a short while. And the lesson of what to come is in the departure, you know, so it's hard. Nobody wants to lose a child that way or have that kind of lesson. But when you look at it from a distance, sometimes you see that realization of what is there. And, you know, I think that we have um, an entitled or a lack of gratitude in our society today. You know, things like entitlement and opulence. I need it. I want it. I've got to have it. You know, uh, so many people are running on empty. Um, again, I've interviewed numerous CEOs, Fortune 500s, you know, and they had a heart attack or um, they lost everything or, you know, just something happened that they had to walk away from it. And what they're doing today is so much more enriching and abundant than what they ever, ever did before. And they were very grateful for whatever that redirect was. But we can't always wait for the whole of society to get that kind of redirect. So it is the inspiration begets the invitation, doesn't it? So when people are inspired by your journey, it invites <coughs> them to look at their life and their journey and go, and I think this is the gift of COVID in many ways where people had to stop, pause, look at life. Am I going in the right direction? Have I placed no. the importance of money on everything and not on family, self, or life in itself? No, you're, you're so true, and we're all examples to others. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't have to be a profound example. One of the earliest cases when my daughter was about two, I came home from work, and she was eating popcorn. She did, First time, she'd been taught by her mother to eat popcorn. And she pulled one little piece out and put it in her mouth. Well, I came in, said hi, I grabbed a fistful of popcorn, shoved it in my mouth, went in the other room to change clothes. Well, guess what happened when I came back into the room with her? She's cramming a fistful of popcorn in her mouth at yes. one time. I had been a negative example right. without saying a word. Right. And, right. and I saw her when she was two looking at the three, four, five-year-old kids as an example also. Yes. And so we're all examples to other people. And we see movie stars and athletes mm -hmm. say, don't look at me as an example. Yeah. We don't have a choice. Right. We're examples, whether we want to be or not. The only question is what kind of example will we be? I think that's again, been with the COVID, you know, all the talk show uh, shows couldn't do it in studio anymore. Hair, makeup, everybody glam for five minutes interview and off they go. Instead, it was via Zoom in their own home, their own hair and makeup, in their own environment. And we, we had such, so much more honest conversations and you could look at them. My God, you know, they, they're rich, they're famous and this and that, but they're going through the same problems I am. You know, so it's, we're the ones that put people up there on the pedestal. We're the ones that make people feel, uh, look important or seem important. We do that. Why do we do that? What is our need to worship somebody because they're bigger or brighter than us? Or well, I think <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Our culture promotes it, mm. but I don't think it's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, there's no one. I mean, there are many people who are 
below me on the economic scale who may have other issues who are better than me in some things. Mm -hmm. And there are people that may be above me on the economic scale that I may have a few talents that are better than them. We all have unique talents and gifts and we all ought to respect people for what they have and what they do with it. And to me, just to award someone adulation because Mm -hmm. of where they may be and, uh, in their job or something of that nature is not really social media tweets or anything else. Instagram. I I admire people (laughs) who have less material and who do more with it than I would people who are on the other end of the spectrum. I get asked, do you interview celebrities? I said, yes, I celebrate everybody I interview. Right. Yes. (laughs) Because if you're here to share something that's going to help somebody else's life, you're a celebrity in my books. Right. Nobody has to have the 10 million followers. You know, how can you live up to that expectation anyway? And, you know, it it, but, you know, on the other side of the scale of the adoration is this huge amount of judgment that we step into. And what right do we have to judge? Well, I want to judge one thing. So it's it's interesting to me. I'll do a lot of posting and everything I post is positive, mm-hmm. trying to be motivational. I'll share other people's motivational work. I'll, I'll put videos out that are motivational. Uh, the last daily treasure, there's a daily vignette. There's 30 seconds or so each day for 366 days. Mm-hmm. That's positive. Yes. And I'll look at it the actually number changes of, the entire psyche and the programming of the mind. Yes. So yes. And I'll look at the number of views on the things that I do. And it's a minuscule number compared to the young ladies who uh, disrobe or jump <laughs> around and dance and things of that nature. And I'm thinking, where's the fairness in that? Yes. Well, it's not fair, <laughs> but it just indicates where we are as a society yeah. right now that people would rather have mindless entertainment than something that might lift them up and help redirect their motivation for where they go in their own lives. Yeah, I've had a few educators on lately and they're very, very frustrated. You know, certain books being pulled, being told what they can teach and what they can't teach. And also the fact that kids are emojis. You know, everything is a cryptic or an emoji profile and they're not reading. And I'm not just going to go to the kids. I know for myself when I send things out, they don't get read. People come back with the question, da, 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 it's right there. It was the second line in the email, but they chose not to read it. And I think we've become a society where we're not paying attention. And I think if we could slow down, pay attention to what is around us instead of this dire need to be important out there on social media, to be important in our own lives, you know, I think that we would just see things and hear things a lot better and be more in tuned with one another. Yeah, I think that uh, it illustrates a saying that my dad used to have that it's a mile wide and inch deep. Yeah. And that's the way 90% of the communication is right now. There's yeah. not a depth to yeah. it or it's an instant look and gone. Yeah. Versus something, if it might be brief, but something that people can reflect on and something that they can use to help themselves. And that, and that's what I, I try to do is share things that people can look at, whether it's my material or someone's else, and somebody can say, wow, that's, that's an interesting perspective that can help me today. Right. And that's the point. Let us be open to other people's perspectives. You know, I'm, I'm a true colors coach, which teaches the four personality types. Each, each one has their own perspective and how they perceive and how they interact. And I always find it utterly fascinating. But it's 
we see things from our dominance, our dominant personality. That's how we see things. That's how we hear things. That's how we integrate. But if we're open to receiving other people's opinion on the subject, we're now going to see a more rounded picture, a more complete picture. And we're probably fine. We're all seeing the same thing, but just from a different angle and yes. a, a different perspective. But it, we're really articulating the same thing in a different language. Let us stop getting hot and bothered. No, 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 you've got to see it this way. No, no, you've got to see it that way. And just go, okay, how do you see it? How do you see it? Let's lay it down. Let's look at the picture. Go, isn't this interesting? Well, I think we've devolved. I started noticing this in the late 80s uh, when I served on different boards. And it used to be that you could have a discussion and you take a vote on a matter and the vote was always split, but the majority would win. Mm. And then all of a sudden there started becoming pressure for consensus. And not only the pressure to con for consensus, but people started demeaning yeah. folks who voted on the other side of issues. Mm -hmm. And now we see that in corporate boards, nonprofit boards and legislative bodies, that if it's not a unanimous vote, that the people who vote on the negative side are demeaned. And I don't think that's healthy in any of those venues. I think yeah. a good discourse and debate strengthens us, just like yes. exercise strengthens our muscles. Mm -hmm. And if you lose on an issue, that just means that you need to work harder on that particular issue or other things, persuade the other side and, and come back and win the next time, hopefully for your cause. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it has been healthy for our free societies for hundreds of years. And yet we've given that up to try mm -hmm. to make people feel good because we accept what they tell us. Right. And that is, you know, mindlessness. You know, um, I believe in each and every one of us is kind of an instrument. We learn how to play that instrument. Once we've discovered, we learn how to play it. We play it well. And then we find an orchestra in which to play it in. But you don't go in it as the dominant lead. When you find that orchestra, this is my contribution. We're looking for creating a harmony, a symphony where we can all work together because the importance is about the music and what we play out. Each instrument is important in that collective, but how we come together harmoniously and create that music that becomes that invitation, that inspiration, is how well are we going to work together, right? Yes, that, that goes back to recognizing people have different strengths, as you mentioned a yeah. minute ago, mm -hmm. and different gifts. There are many gifts that pass me by. Uh, I'm the only person I've ever heard of who was asked to lip sync in the second grade Christmas pageant. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to get over that. So I can't <laughs> sing. Drama. I can't sing. I can't <laughs> sing a note. Uh, and other people are gifted at that and may not be gifted at something that I may have a gift for. Exactly. And working together uh, to come up with the best overall mm -hmm. Results. That's the key thing. And, and I think that sometimes people are defensive when yes. they feel like, oh, I'm not good enough in that particular area. And if we all focus on our strengths and sharing our strengths and lifting the, the people up who don't have our strengths and letting them lift us up on the strengths they have, yeah. then we can all succeed better. And really, ultimately, when you succeed, I succeed. When I succeed, someone else succeeds. I mean, that really is the beautiful vibration of love is you can't knowingly hurt anyone because you'll hurt yourself. 
you want to see people step into that light of love and joy and of living and of purpose. And it is an exuberant feeling. So instead of the, I, there's two words I hate, competition and comparison, because comparison kills. You start, you, you forget your own beautiful instrument. You're just trying to play exactly like everyone else. We don't need any droids, thank you. There's enough out there already. We've already got the robotic instruments. It's called a cell phone, which is already making us mindless. But it is about stepping into our own beautiful uniqueness and polishing it, you know, and being the best that we can be. And it's not about competing with someone else. Somebody else may be playing the same instrument as you but you're going to bring your heart and soul to it. And it's going to play that way and they're going to play it that way. And that's the difference. So that's what makes it so beautifully unique and, and integrate and personal and also invitational. Yes, and comparing ourselves to others is not the way we should live. No. I believe the only comparison should be to from who we are today to who we were yesterday. And every day we should try to be a better person than we were the day before. And I liked Adam Smith, the economist back in the 17th, 18th century. He talked about the invisible hand in economics. And I believe it works in life also that when people are pursuing their individual interest, that this invisible hand brings us together. And you do one thing and I do another. You may make shoes and I may, I may make pots and pans but by us both pursuing our individual interest and then having commerce between us, we both benefit each other. And it's the same in our personalities as well. And I see these governments trying to make everyone equal. And to me, I don't care who the government is. I don't care who's leading it. Uh, there's no way they can make us all equal. All people have to do is look at their children. And if you have more than one child, there's nothing as a parent you can do to make the two children equal. No. How can a government make everyone in a country equal? But, but in, I've got three and each one of them, uh, they have some commonalities, right? Which are beautiful, but yeah. each one of them are different people, different strengths with different abilities. And that's what is so beautiful. You know, same father, same genes, same everything else, but different personalities. And that goes yes. a lot to the time you were born and this and that it's all the other intricate stuff that's there but it makes it exciting because you're seeing things through their eyes you know when your parents say no you've got to do it this way no i've always done it that way you've got to do it that way no let the child discover the way they want to do it right you can say can i help you can i show you let them do it their way my son at 15 decided he was going to take over the cooking Thank you. Yes, go ahead. The dishes and the pots and pans were to the ceiling, <laughs> but he cooked a wonderful meal and now he has a restaurant. Right? So it's let them discover, let them discover who they really are. And I think one of the huge problems we have in society today, why it's so utterly dysfunctional is two things. One, I have a whole series of the Forgotten Children series where there are so many children that are trapped in some sorrow, whether it's abuse or neglect, um, a lack of love. You know, there's so many, and they, that wounded child goes with them, becomes the dysfunctional adult. But it is also the fact that we don't encourage our children to be the gift they are, 
to get behind them and go, oh, this one has a tendency to build. This one loves to draw. This one loves music. Let's encourage it and see where it goes. We're so dictatorial. And again, comparison, you're not like the Joneses, son. You know, no, they're your son. <laughs> your son is different. Encourage them in the gift that they are. And I think we will see a better society as, an, as adults. Absolutely. I believe encouragement's the greatest yeah. gift we can give anyone. And I celebrate it on the 17th of every month. And I try to get people to encourage at least one person a day. Yeah. And if everyone would encourage at least one person a day, we could make a huge difference in people's mental health, mm -hmm. their pursuit of their dreams, mm -hmm. the number of achievements, because too often people are discouraged by not only their friends and family, but by the culture itself who tries to point out how you cannot achieve yes. your dreams. Uh, yes. I always look at, there's one of the civil rights icons in the U.S. that says a dream denied is, is a, a dream delayed is a dream denied. Mm -hmm. Well, I disagree with that 100%. I believe, and I've had personal examples, that a dream delayed is not a dream denied. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it comes later yes. and is much more successful than it would have been if you achieved it when you first dreamed it. And I so encouragement is so important to help people to realize that it may not be the right time for you to do this right now. Don't give up on it. Right. Keep doing the other things that may prepare you for that particular dream. Oh, totally, totally. Um, I started this coming up 10 years ago at the age of 57. Somebody asked me to be on their podcast network and I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I was thrown in at the deep end for 13 months of doing live shows. And it became a really good education <laughs> because everything that could go wrong could go wrong, right? Yeah. But it also became that ignition inside of me of everything that I've done in my life has prepared me for this. This is where I'm meant to be. Now, uh, June is nine years of my own network. I've done over two and a half thousand shows. And my shows aren't 10 minutes, they're an hour plus. And I have met some incredible people like yourself who are out there serving humanity. And that is what we need to understand. We are all here to be of service to one another. Yes. Every single one of us needs to contribute. It's not about what you get, it's about what you give. You receive abundance through what you give. Maybe not from that person, maybe from somewhere, uh, somewhere else, but the giving is always the receiving. And just knowing that you've made somebody's day or somebody's pivoted in a better direction, or somebody has been looking for that knowledge and they didn't know where to find it. You know, it's, it's wonderful to know that you're on that track where you are being of service to someone. But I had to wait for 57 to get there. Yeah. It doesn't mean well, I, I didn't do other things in the meantime, but everything yeah. prepared me for this time. Well, I think that's exactly right. And similarly, and I've seen this, uh, I mean, I spent a, a career in corporate, the corporate world, a corporate executive, et cetera. And what's interesting is how we can be pigeonholed by people mm. who knew us in previous roles. Yes. And so some of the people I've known for a lifetime almost, they have the hardest time seeing me as I am today. But those things prepared me, as you, as you say. Mm. Uh, I always joke about my high school English teacher would would faint if she thought I read a book, much less <laughs> wrote eight books. And so I never dreamed of writing one, right. much less eight now and yes. counting. And so 
it, it's interesting that, but those other things prepared me for that. Yes. Uh, the business world prepared me for the book writing, for speaking, doing advising, uh, trying to serve people in different ways based on all those experiences. Yes. I mean, life experience is your, is your treasure chest. Mm -hmm. It really is. You can go into that chest at any time and pull out something you learned years ago and go, oh, this would be applicable here. Right. It is. And yeah. And I, um, I hear what you say that, you know, that people get stuck on a stereotype and just think that's all you are. And then suddenly you're doing something different. Well, that doesn't compute. Aren't they? Weren't they that? And it's like, please allow people to evolve. Please allow people to discover who they are at any age in their life. The youngest person I've interviewed was 10, and she'd written a book, 365 Days of Gratitude with a Positive Attitude, right? And yeah. each day was just what she was grateful for. And then 91, who had started her own TV station and a couple of years beforehand taken a new lover, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's never too late and it's never too early. It's where is the passion and the conviction when you need to do something, when you've got something that you feel is important that you need to share, you will find an avenue in which to do it. Well, that's exactly uh, true. And I illustrated uh, both examples like that in my writing. I met a 13-year-old girl who was getting an award for her second book a couple of years ago, and she'd written three now. And then I, one of the stories I love to tell, it's never too late to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I like to tell the story of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm -hmm. from Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when my daughter was seven, we were looking for some decent family television <laughs> for her. And we looked at that. Well, she saw the little girl and I saw my great grandmother mm -hmm. who was a year younger than Laura Ingalls Wilder and who lived till I was nine years old. So I had a relationship with her. So when I watched the show with my daughter, I saw my great grandmother's little girl. Yeah. And I started looking up Laura Ingle Wilder's story, and I always thought that she wrote those stories as a diary. Mm -hmm. But what I discovered was she didn't start writing until her husband died, and she wrote magazine articles, and her daughter begged her to write the stories that she told her of her childhood. Mm -hmm. She published her first book at 65, mm -hmm. Inspiration for, for You. <laughs> she published her ninth <laughs> and last book at 76. She died at 90 years old, 17 years after she died, the television show came out. Mm -hmm. So there was no way she could conceive the right. impact. And that show runs nearly 24 hours a day. Now. Yes. Yes. And so when we do different efforts yeah. and, and I don't look, people ask me how the books are selling, things yeah. like that. Well, my gauge is not just book sales only right? because we don't know the length or breadth of impact of the things that we do uh, that could go beyond our lifetimes and how they may happen. Yeah. Uh, our only objective is we hear that call and that passion yeah. mm -hmm. to create and provide and serve and then let the score be run up and rung up by the, what I call the man upstairs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything has its time and place. Right. And it's the same with the podcasting. I have had occasionally feedback how a particular show changed someone's life. Or I've had it a couple of times, but it saved their lives. Or this show had such an impact on the point of view that they went in a totally different direction. I'm, 
I do on average eight shows a week. So I do not get feedback on every show. It's rather like, you know, a child that you prepare for life. And then yeah. once it's, it's out there, you know, I promote it and I get it out there and I share it. And when somebody on social media says, I'm having this issue and I, I've got a show for you, <laughs> they can listen to it or not listen to it. But it's out of our hands then. It's in the ether then. And I always think like the, the teacher will come when the student is ready. So I often think a podcast will come when that person is ready to receive that knowledge. But it's out of our control. Who reads your books? Who's listened to these shows? But when you do get feedback now and again, you go, good, I'm on the right track. Well, yes. And in your shows, for example, who knows in the future mm. how you may slice and dice and repurpose the information and repackage it in different ways and put it in different mediums yep. that may not even be invented yet. Right, exactly. uh, to share with people <laughs> so that people can take certain portions of multiple mm. shows yep. that come on certain topics and get that all in a condensed format. That would I mean, be so fabulous. <laughs> creating the content is the, is the key yeah, thing. And it is. Because, and, and the lesson, the way I learned this is thinking about material that I create. And I was thinking about the music industry. So mm -hmm. you think about maybe one of your favorite bands uh, could be the Beatles or the Beach Boys or anybody else. And you think about one of their top songs. Well, how many different albums did they publish that one song on? Yes. And I guarantee you it was several. Mm -hmm. And so too often when we create material, we think, well, that we created it and that's it. And it's in one place. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. No, no, no. And again, that goes to somebody else's perspective of that song oh, I hear it this way, right? And, and yes. you know, even when, when you know, people read your books, they're going to read it from the, their own identity, right? It's, it's speaking for them, about them. And that's when you know you've, you've got a good book. When a book leaves me thinking, um, where at some point of the day or during a conversation, it pops into my head, then I know it's had an impact, Right. When I can't even remember what it is, then I know it was just a, an entertainment for a little while and out it goes. But when it's a book that really I relate to that. Oh, I, I wish I could do that. Oh, I never knew you could do that. You know, and it's, it's something that becomes a tutorial in many, many ways. Um, but it's more exciting than, you know, classroom. <laughs> you, you didn't tell me what type of book you were writing but I can tell you that you have multiple books that are already written just from the comments you make in your podcast, just transcribing that and trying to figure out how you'd like to share those messages mm -hmm. and just taking your comments. You've already written multiple books. I know actually. <laughs> yes. And I do my own show every week, which is Sarah's view of life. And it's just me and my perspective and my view of life. And I have, 360 shows there and I was going to for my first book is kind of take a correlation of those stories and put it together but actually people said no we want to hear about you Sarah because you're always interviewing other people we want to hear about you because there's snippets of me that come out in a show and people want that and it's harder to write about yourself oh, so yes. how I'm actually doing it because I can't do it just write it about me it's going to be my angel's perspective conversations with my angels and their view on my life. <laughs> that's, that's a good way. Yes. It's much more difficult to share pieces yeah. of our lives than it is to share something of others. Yes. But, but I think, and I've done this in the 
navigating life's journey and common sense and uncommon times books, uh, because those books all have chapters of common sense principles, but I'll share other people's stories. And then I may use some illustrations from my own life as well. Some of them have been things that I uh, wouldn't have admitted when my parents were still alive, but I've <laughs> put out to share with others now, for example. Uh, so doing it that way is much easier and it comes across less like you're beating your chest because that's yeah. not the way I want to come across. Right. Uh, I'm just I'm just somebody on a path. I may be behind one person and ahead of another and just trying to be a link and share things to help people in front or behind me. Right. And I think, you know, what we're inspired of is when we know people have gone through struggles um, and yet they've chosen to live a more a positively abundant life, that they've chosen to be of service and caring and love, despite the journey that they've been through. I think it becomes a real reflection on people and go, but what am I feeding? What am I feeding here? Am I really that trauma that happened to me? No, it happened to you. Yes. Who you become because of it. That's where you discover your strength, your courage, your abilities. And when you're willing to go through that process and you become what you are meant to become, you'll realize whatever happened to you was that catalyst for you to, to become the person you are here today. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have another knock along the way, but it does mean you're going to weather it a lot better and you're going to Absolutely. be open to receive what it really means. Absolutely. And I always share that my 23-year-old daughter now, the crisis of the moment for her that just tears her up is something that just rolls off my shoulder and yes. probably roll off your shoulder yes. <laughs> because we've been through other things. Yes. But... Every time we go through one of those, as you say, it strengthens us. And they yes. always talk about calm waters do not a good sailor make. And that and that's so true. It's mm. the confidence that we get, the experience to know that we can get through it. And I think back to my grandparents and when I was younger and how they would never get excited about anything because they'd been through uh, yeah. world wars, depression, mm -hmm. the 1918 uh, pandemic yeah. at that time. Uh, so many other things that they had been through that the challenges that I was facing was nothing to them. Right. And so I'm trying to become that type of person. I always talk about we stand on their broad shoulders of those yes. who came before us. And we have to broaden our shoulders yeah. to prepare for people to stand on them that are coming behind us. You know, and I talk a great deal about, you know, um, elders and youth. And the youth can learn so much from the elders and, and the elders around the youth rejuvenates them, yes. reinvigorates them. And there always seems to be such a divide, you know, so especially in Western society. Oh, you've reached a certain age out to pasture. You know, you're no good anymore. And I would say predominantly people that I've interviewed are 50 plus. Um, a lot of young ones now coming up, which is wonderful. But, you know, 50 plus because they've had that two by four, they've had those lessons, they've stepped into their meaningful purpose. Um, but I think it's imperative that we do merge all the ages together because we all learn so much. When you're around that exuberant youth where they feel they can do anything, you know, absolutely, the universe is the limit, right? And that invigorates us. And, but at the same time, when they learn 
the things that you have faced. How did you do it? I did this, I did that, and, and this happened. And it then becomes a kind of a, a skill in the toolbox of life that when well, the they way, hit something, uh, something it will help yeah. them. Yes, the way I say that is if hindsight's twenty twenty, mm. and experience is the best teacher, then why won't the people who have neither listen to the people who have both? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's just common sense. And talking about that, you've got this book here, Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense in Uncommon Times. Tell us about that. Well, and it was a, a follow-up to Conquering Life's Course, which was the first volume of Common Sense in, in Chaotic Times. Both of those books have 40 uh, bite-sized chapters. They run about 800 words or so. They can be read in any sequence. And it's all based on life experience and life lessons of other people and myself, whereas we look at common sense that we may not see today, yeah. for example. And so we look at people who have overcome challenges. Uh, Michael Atkins, who started out as a minority in Chicago, was a janitor in his school, ended up becoming a principal in a school after being on welfare and growing up with a single mother. And he was taught, don't let anybody else write your story, write your yes. own story. Yes. And so trying to share these particular examples that people could look at and say, that makes sense. Here's a good illustration. If he can do it, I can do it. Exactly. The inspiration begets invitation, right? Absolutely. Tell us about a few of your other books. Well, and the first one that I did, and I never had a dream of doing it, was i got to figure out where my finger is here, <laughs> the volunteer handbook. And uh, I had had some success leading nonprofit organizations and had been teaching uh, nonprofit leaders. And what I found was, was that the success, I did it for six years. And what I found was the successors to the people I taught never were taught the lessons I taught their predecessors. Mm. And I said, well, I need to document this so people can read it on their own. Right. Yes. And I never dreamed of writing one book. But as I mentioned to you earlier, the first book's always the hardest because until you do it, like so many other life experiences, yes. you don't have the confidence that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so the, the second book was Surviving Grief by God's Grace about the loss of my son. Uh, and that was 14 years later. Yes. And I thought that would be the last book. And while I was promoting that on radio and different programs, trying to share that path of faith to overcome that challenge, I was asked at a personal development course, what one lesson did you learn from your first job? Well, I went home that night. I, I couldn't think of one lesson I learned as an 11-year-old paper boy. <laughs> I thought of 14. I wrote them down. I put them in a drawer. And I left it in the drawer for four years. And I came back and wrote the four-letter word that builds character because these lessons I learned as an 11-year-old affected my entire corporate yeah. career. Uh -huh. And we don't let children work enough these days. Mm -hmm. And kids can do more than we give them credit for. Yeah. And even if they stumble and fall and have to overcome tough things, as 11-year-olds standing on a doorstep to collect a paper subscription money every week, that was intimidating. Mm -hmm. But it helped teach me how to interact with adults and how to ask for money and things of that nature. So that was another great 
lesson that I try to share with people for their children and grandchildren, here's something it's important for them to learn these lifelong lessons. Um, you know, then I wrote the master sales secret was the first volume. I thought of multiple volumes on sales and sales management, but then I had a friend ask me, uh, there's a thousand sales books. You need to share this story of going through a divorce, mm-hmm. two heart procedures and a cancer diagnosis in 10 months. Mm-hmm. And so that was unwelcome opportunity that I put out three or four years ago um, as well. And that was a faith-based book because any one of those challenges could have led to a withdrawal or just becoming negative. And I know people, and I'm sure you do Mm -hmm. as well, who have let their challenges push them into a negative lifestyle. Consume them. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that was what that particular volume was written for. So you've really kind of got a book for almost every situation. Well, it's interesting because people ask me what genre I write in. (laughs) And and when I speak, people ask me what I speak about. And it's very hard for people to figure out how to best utilize me because of the variety of different experiences I've been through. You know, it's a I have 18 genres here, but, you know, the common denominator is based on contribution. It is, you know, stepping into our ownership of our own choices, right? And coming from a place of love. And so when you find your common denominator, it doesn't matter what you write about, right? Because the compass is there, right? And the compass is based in faith, whatever the faith might be. And that is your, your guiding system. So to have different genres, that just means there's different experiences that you're sharing in life. And this whole thing, again, pigeonholing people, well, you know, what, what is your show about? And which one? Because <laughs> I have it on business. I have it on faith. I have it on this and that, on health. Yes. Numerous, yes. right? And sometimes I get, you know, guests that really cover a few genres, you know, in one show. And that's really what it is like. We're not one size fits all. We're not one little letter in the alphabet. And the whole experience is to be the whole of this alphabet. But, you know, it comes in what's really going in the book. What does, the, what does the fundamentals of the book? That's, that's precisely uh, it. And as we talked about before going on air, I don't like the term self-help. Mm-hmm. And I like personal growth better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Last Daily Treasure is not a devotional book, but people want to call it a devotional book, but it does not follow the true format of the devotional. Mm -hmm. And so the people who've read it rave about it and they love it. And every day they love looking at it for a minute or two and starting their day. But the literary people who look at it and can't fit it into a devotional category can't appreciate it as much because it doesn't fit in any category that's out there right now. Let's throw so the categories just, out. Let's throw them out, right? You know, really, yes. it's, it's about good vibrations. The Beach yes. Boys had it. It's about good vibrations, about, you know, choosing to look at things from the sunny side of the street. And that doesn't mean that you don't see the dark clouds or you don't see the hate and the war and the everything else. You see that, but you choose to see the good in things and what is possible even in the darkness. The other thing that, that's so gratifying for me 
uh, people want to say, well, who's your audience? And they want you to pinpoint it down get, to an yeah. age group. <laughs> yes. Well, I get, I get positive feedback. To listen. <laughs> I mean, I spoke at a college campus a few weeks ago. They love Life's Daily Treasure. I have elderly people who love it. Everyone in between love it and are, and are grateful for the inspiration and motivation they get out of it. Uh, but if I tried to focus it yep. and write it for one age group, right. then I would have left out all the other people. And I try to do things that are timeless. Yep. I truly believe that this volume, somebody could pick it up 50 years from now mm -hmm. and they could get the same benefits out of it someone today could. Right. Because I'm a firm believer that human nature does not change. Mm -hmm. And if human nature doesn't change, then that means good, positive messages will be impactful 50, 100 years from now, just as they will be today. Well, I'm an optimist, and I think the pendulum is going to swing that way to everybody raising their good vibrations. And, <laughs> and I believe that the discord and the war and the hate and the pain that's out there today is the last ditch effort to hold on to misery, where there are so many good people who've changed the vibrational level up to another hertz, which scientifically people have measured the love vibration. Um, at a higher frequency and the higher frequency we are, we are in, the better it is for our own health, for our planet, for our psyche, for yes. each other. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people doing this work, just like yourself. And it is reaching people and it's lifting them up. And we're in that higher vibration. We're not going to feed that hate or that war. We're not going to feed that greed. We're already calling people out on it. We're already saying enough is enough. We're just not going to support the hate anymore. It is happening. But the people that live in that hate zone, it's like, well, I've got to scream louder for my voice to be heard. And we're just saying, la, 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 la. We're not listening. Well, and I would agree with everything about increasing the hurts and giving the positive messages. I would love to think that we could wipe out every bit of hate and any people coming behind us yeah. who have that, but it hasn't happened over thousands of years. And, yeah, but and doesn't my, mean my it concern, can't happen. <laughs> it doesn't oh, mean it no. can't. But my a, concern is there'll always, there'll always be some folks like that who need what we're yeah. doing, <laughs> yeah. although not all of them may uh Well, may for take some people thrive on misery. Positive. You know, some yes, people they thrive, do. they do thrive on it and, or they yes, thrive they on sickness, you know, and, and, you know, it's, but when you're looking at the general population, everybody's tired of it. And they know that, uh, you know, people are going back to simple things. Uh, people are looking at, you know, what really is the joy in my life? And again, the gift yes. of COVID for many was, I got to stay at home with my family. I got to truly understand why I had kids in the first place, you know, or rekindled with my spouse or looked at my career and do I want to work 60 hours a week, you know, and it became that reset to people really prioritizing what really is important and yes. really what is important in any relationship of anything is the relationship you have with yourself and you need to find that self love within you. That kindness and self-love needs to be given to you because that is what you're going to exude out to everyone else. Yeah, so I agree. I think that the COVID period is, has given us that opportunity and many people have taken it yeah. to refocus their lives mm -hmm. into more balance. And balance is extremely important as we talked about. Money can yeah. throw us out of balance. Oh, yeah. Other things can throw us out of balance also. But that positivity, I think, can help us. I think many people are doing it. I'm hoping your work, my work, and others are helping that. 
And there's nothing I'd like better than to know that everyone on this planet would be positive. And I think the, the better we encourage people to pursue their individual dreams and happiness, the more of those people there'll be. You made a choice, despite yes. what was happening to you, that yes. you weren't going to give in to the negativity, that yes. you were going to find a way through that through your faith or just through optimism, you made that choice. And everything we do in life is a choice. Even abstaining from making a choice is a choice. So yes. why can we not choose to be light, to be loving, to be caring, to be compassionate? Why can we not look at the good side of ourselves and take off the, the perception that others may have on us? That's their opinion. You're never going to change. It has really got nothing to do with you, right? How do you feel about yourself? Do you yes. care about who you are and what you're contributing? Are you striving for more in your form of service, in your contribution? The more we step into that, the more meaningful our lives will be. The more we are resonate on that positive vibration, the more it uplifts and invites other people. So just Absolutely. keep on doing what you're doing. Keep mm -hmm. on writing what you're writing mm -hmm. because it's serving people in that just look what he's gone through. Yet he has chosen to write these things on how to navigate it, how to look at things, you know, as I said, from the sunny side of the street. You're not ignoring the darkness. The darkness grabbed hold of you. You just pried it apart and said, no, you're not going to consume me. You're correct. We all have choices every day. Every no day. No matter what we've been through. Mm -hmm. And we've got to resist the culture and our government's trying to victimize us mm -hmm. and make us dependent on them. Because all we do is sell our souls and our futures in that situation. Whereas when we take the opportunity to define ourselves and take that opportunity each day to live our dreams and pursue it, we want all, we want to accomplish all our goals. No. And we're all going to leave this planet with something unfinished. Yes. And some people think, well, if I can't finish it, why should I do it? Right. And we don't have we don't have the choice of when we leave. Right. And so the only thing we can do is go full speed ahead and do as much as we can, realizing there'll be something left behind. And maybe it's just to pass leave. on the baton. Exactly. You started it for someone else to pick it up. I, you know, I'm 67. I have no idea how long I'm going to keep this up, but I'm hoping this is my legacy that somebody else will pick it up and keep it going. Mm. I've got 3000 shows here of wisdom, of wisdom shared from people like yourself who have gone through it who shared how they did it, how we can step into the next phase of our lives. This is golden nuggets, as I call it, the orchard of wisdom, right? So you know, one doesn't want to just throw this away. It's not, you know, well, it, it might be the end of me, but it doesn't have to be the end of this. No, no, it's going to go on for years. And one of these days, there'll be a searchable capability within your shows for a word search mm -hmm. within the audios, just like there is for Word documents now, for example, right. to do a word search. And I can just see somebody researching your material and doing word searches and pulling pieces and nuggets out of different shows uh, for serving other people and benefiting other people. And to me, there's so much excitement based upon content yes. availability yes. and not thinking about what we can do with it today, but knowing it's captured and can be used in the future. And so when I see, we look back 200 years and what do we study? We studied letters mm -hmm. that people wrote in cursive mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Although no one can write cursive now. <laughs> well, very few people write letters these days. I know. And they do some emails, but very few people do much in depth. And so any of the positive contributions of content that we create in depth will be legacies 100, 200 years from now. Yeah. And that, you know, that the books will be something, oh, gosh, I wish I could write like this. And well, why can't you? Well, I don't know how. Well, learn. (laughs) (laughs) Because when a book inspires you and it goes, I've got something inside of me that I want to say. And, uh, you know, like, I'm sorry, I, I, I pray to God there isn't going to be emoji books out there. I know there's already been an emoji movie, but please, you know, it used to be when you did a presentation, you had two minutes to capture your audience, you know, to capture their interest. Now it seems to be two seconds. And I'm not serving those two second people. I am not serving them. I'm serving the people who really are hungry for knowledge and wisdom and really want to be inspired in depth. And, you know, I get, oh, no, you should, your show should only be 10 minutes. I go, no, no, because I consider that an insult. I mean, I would encourage you on your on your book, as well as I would encourage anyone else on whatever you want to work on. Mm-hmm. Take whatever time you have each day. And if you have 30 seconds or a minute and you get an idea, write that note down and yeah. put it someplace in a file that goes toward that particular work. Yes. I get ideas driving down the road and you know, sitting different places, sitting in church, other places, I'll have an idea and I'll write it down and it may end up being a chapter of a a book or it may end up being a a short video that I do, uh, something. But when you have those ideas, capture them. Yeah. It's easier to put them together later than if you don't capture them. Right. Yes. And none of us can count on tomorrow. So we need to capture everything we can as it happens. Yes. Yes. That's actually how I do my shows. I have a particular topic, you know, a few words and I press record (laughs) or I write it out first or I press record. And then basically what comes out is then to come out. (laughs) And, you know, that I think is also something that we need to look at in life. There is no wrong or right way in order to express yourself as long as it isn't violent. And it's if you wish to just audio it or if you are a person that likes to write it down and edit it before you speak it, it doesn't matter. It is about expression. I had a young poet on the other day that his book has got page numbers in it, but there's no titles on any chapter or on any page. Each page stands alone in its poetry for what it is. And that's okay. You know, um, other people may even draw and have few less words and the pictures will speak the volumes. It doesn't matter. Please don't compare where other people are doing it, doing the way that it calls from within you. Right. And allow yourself to follow that path and see where that creativity goes, because you didn't know you were going to write eight books, but you allowed yourself to get in there and do it. And look how many more are going to be written from now on. Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> know. General General George Patton talking about leadership, and this applies to what you were just mentioning. Also, he said, "Never tell anyone how to how to do something. Tell them what you want done, and yeah. let them figure out how to do it. And you'll be amazed yes. at the creativity that comes out. Absolutely. And it's it's the same thing with how we do things. And and again, most of the stuff I've done has been unique. The general format of of the writing style I like is based on a book I read nearly 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I liked the style of that particular book because it did short 
chapters, six, yeah. 800 words. And that serves me very well because I can tell people on most of my books, if you just want to take five minutes and read a chapter, yes. that's all you have to do. And each chapter stands on their own, pick a topic you like, read it. And then when you have five minutes, read another one. And so it's not like reading Gone with the Wind or right. War and Peace, where you have to spend hours and hours and hours to get something out of it. Yeah. And so I think that that fits into our society better now than yes. what previous generations created. Yeah. No, um, that actually, I'm, I'm more of an article writer than I am, uh, you know, a big chapter. And that's it's a good point. Just write for where your strength is right? You can have multiple exactly. chapters in there, but you know, not each chapter has to be in a novel in itself. That's, that's exactly true. And uh, it's interesting in that only a few of the books I have have a front to back sequence. And the rest of them are where somebody can just dive in any place uh, and read and go from that point and do however they want, whatever sequence, uh, even life's daily treasury, even though it starts January 1st to December 31st, uh, when someone buys it, they can start on that day. They don't have yeah. to wait until January 1st right. to start. They can pick it up any day they want to and, and take off. I like and, uh, picking up a book and go, what do I need to know today? And just opening it up. And generally that page, you know, what that is about right there is where I need to be today. You know, I just, ah, yes, okay, mm-hmm, you know, and it's just an affirmation of, of where you're at, and so I love it when you go to something, because that's the information you need at that moment, so as you said, you could do it from every date, but you could also open it up, because maybe that's what you need to know in that moment. Well, absolutely, and uh, one of the things that I hope and people have believed and told me is, with Life's Daily Treasure, that today you may read today's page, a year from now, you may go back and read that same page and get something totally different. Absolutely. Out of it. Yes. And because it only takes a minute or so each day, there's people that say, I'll, re I'll look at this every day, every year, because I think it can help me every day, every year going forward. Right. Because you're not the same person as you were last year. Exactly. Right. And now it's going to have a different meaning to you. Oliver Wendell Holmes yeah. Jr. Yeah. A man's mind, once expanded by a new idea, cannot return to its previous state. So, exactly. As I tell people, there's 2,196 entries in here. One, only one could totally change your life. You mm -hmm. could read one that totally changed your direction and life out of the whole book. That's all it takes. Which one it is. With, with this book or any other book. Yes. It's all it, it's all it takes is one idea to change mm -hmm. our direction. Yes. I, there's many a book I've read where there's one particular scene. You know, that has been the revelation. That has been the one that I keep referring back to. You know, the one that meant so much to me. And it's, yeah, because it becomes something that kind of becomes, it opens up a door for you. You're never going to forget that door opener. Well, I'll use an example of a movie then. So I love Robert Duvall and he did mm -hmm. the movie Broken Trail years ago uh, where he took his nephew on a trail drive to teach him the business before he passed. And they had calamity after calamity. And the nephew at one time said, this drive's getting less profitable every day. And Robert Duvall looked at him. He said, son, you never measure wealth using money. Mm -hmm. And I it agree. was such a profound yes. line. Because yes. our wealth is, even though I have a treasure chest with money yes. <laughs> on here, <laughs> it's not the money that measures our no, wealth. No. 
it's 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 the totality of our life and where we go with it. Um, a very quick story to end up with is my son has a restaurant and um, uh, they he did a Thanksgiving dinner for all his staff uh, last year and I was there and um, I've always done a gratitude thing when we have a you know an event and what are you grateful for right now and we did this around the table and all of these people had worked through the COVID you know where this changes that changes this changes and a lot of the staff had come from other restaurants where they could actually make more money but what came out of it is you know I'm grateful for being here because I'm seen and I'm heard right and um I feel a part of the family I feel I belong and you know, that's truly as I said at the end of it as you know some of you may be making less money and money you understand now is not the true enrichment of the abundance of life yeah. community is yeah. that togetherness is and it was beautiful to see we were all in tears <laughs> because people really <laughs> literally just really spoke from their hearts and souls and it was beautiful and you know they were grateful for each other because they created community and i think that's something we need to go back to this solar me myself and i you know, has shown us to be so disconnected. Energy loves to flow. The wind loves to gather, you know, the leaves don't want to be just one leaf going. Um, we need to get back into community and understand that multiple energies will create things and make things happen. Well, that's a, that's a reflection on your son's leadership because leadership mm -hmm. sets that opportunity yeah. uh, and leadership sets that example. And it brings people together. Yes. And it, as Tom Landry said, a leader is a person who gets people to do what they don't want to do to, to obtain what they want to obtain. Mm -hmm. And those people came in there for one purpose, but they found something totally yes. different. And yes. your son's leadership and example to me is what that reflects because without good leadership, you would not have that situation. We're seeing difference in leadership today, aren't we? Where it's, it is more coming from the heart. You know, I, I, they say it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. If people can't relate to you, why should they relate to your business? If they can't buy you, why should they buy from you? And we really want to know the people we're dealing with are real, that they really are coming from the heart, that they really do care. And they're not just in it for the buck. Because we're so tired of that, aren't we? You know, we as consumers, we want to know you see us, you hear us, and you. I'll come back to you for the pleasant experience. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly true. People buy trust first. Yes. They don't trust a person or an organization. They'll never do business with them. Right. And so you have to establish trust first. And to me, servant leadership and leadership by example is the best type because then you're putting your clients and people ahead of yourself. Yeah. And a good leader recognizes that if the clients and the employees succeed, you will be recognized for your leadership. The yeah. poor leaders always think of their own self-interest first, mm -hmm. and they end up not succeeding because the clients and employees don't succeed. Right. And so, and I don't know why people cannot realize that because there's whole industries on yes. leadership training now, yeah. but yet there are certain people who just cannot figure that out and who try the selfish leadership style. And we see failure after failure from that style. Well, the, it, you know, narcissism and narcissistic people have no empathy, have no compassion. Yes. And it yes. is all about them and they don't care 
how they get there or who they walk over to get there as long as they get there. And we've yes. seen a lot of narcissistic, narcissistic uh, leadership and it, it tears apart. It does not build. Exactly. So, it doesn't matter what kind of organization it yeah. is. It doesn't matter what level the leader's at. It, it's all based on the leadership style and where the leader's heart's coming from. Yeah. And, the, and the leader building people Yes. And organizations and serving others, uh, that's the only style that gives long-term growth and success. Inclusivity. And, I, and I've yes. seen it, I've seen it over the years where one generation will build a business and their successor children will come in mm -hmm. and, and it will go because they yeah. didn't appreciate what it took yeah. and how the leadership yeah. style was that built the business, and they'll end up running it in the ground because. It's all about them. Yeah, exactly. Actually, another thing I have to boost my son on is what he's doing right now is he's donating the entire week of profit to all of his staff. So whatever profit comes in, he's going to let the community know, come on down, come on by. Uh, they've just opened up to full seating again. And so he said the whole week of profit is going to be divided, uh, divided amongst all of his staff as a thank you for getting through a rough time. Well, I think that's a terrific example because... If you look at the cost of employee turnover, mm -hmm. it's huge. Yes. And so if that builds loyalty and it keeps some of those employees there a year or two or more yeah. or longer, it will more than pay for itself back. Plus, by saying that to the community, that also tells the community something that's very positive as well and sets an example to other leaders in the communities yeah. and other businesses also. So I applaud that. I think that's yeah. a terrific thing to do. No, and that's, you know, that's because he really, he doesn't look upon his staff. You know, it's when you're there working, he expects you to work, but he also understands you're a human being. Yes. Right. And he will treat you as the human being. If something's going on, he wants to know what can he do. If you need a little time off because something's happening, that's fine. But he really, you know, it's his restaurant is known for him and his heart. And it is a reflection of that. And I'm very proud of that. And I think it is an example. I think how all leadership should be. If you're not coming from the heart, then what are you doing? You well, know? And the other thing is it shows that he respects those other people yes. as his equals, maybe yeah. not equals in the, in the organization of yeah. the business, right. but equals as people. Yes. And, and that's the main thing. If people know that you respect them as equals, even though you're at a higher place in the business, uh, they will be much more loyal than if they think that you believe you're a better person just because you're at a higher level in the organization. Well, that, uh, that actually reflected um, this last year when, um, he, when, when the COVID broke out, he just snapped his Achilles. He literally is in a, in a plaster and I went over to look after him and three days later, COVID and everything, you know, gets shut down and he went to just take out. And there he is at the till with his leg up on a chair <laughs> taking orders, you know, and then he had a breakup and then he's just navigating constantly the open, close, open, close. And he just basically at one point kind of, let's say call it a breakdown, but just, you know, a shutdown where it was all too much. It was all too much. His staff turned around to him and said, go, go and spend some time on yourself. Go yeah. and do something for yourself. We've got this. If we really need you, we'll call you, but you're not going to be here 24 seven. Go. And, and he felt he, he could leave them. You know, he finally realized he could leave them to do the job. <laughs> right. And, but he just being so caught up and it was them 
saying you don't have to be here every minute of every day go and spend some time on yourself and that goes into the balance we're talking about right and everything in life you must have balance it goes in the balance and in the leadership again yeah. because yeah. if if the employees were not loyal and didn't respect him yep they, they would not do that and right. so that's where you sow the seeds and the military they always talk about if the officers take care of the men during peace men and women now yeah. men and women during peacetime Yes. The men and women will take care of the officers when the when the fighting starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really, it's all about respect, isn't it? You know, self-respect, yes. respect of one another, looking at each other um, as equals, doesn't matter what your job is or what your position is, but as equal human beings and being compassionate towards one another. It really, honestly, is really quite simple. And if we could get off our high horse and stop looking at the importance of money and how many followers or you know, prestige and the importance of, we'd realize the importance is in the everyday relationships that we have. Well, in these life experiences and the toughest life experiences help us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that frustrates me is when I see in the U.S., and I, you probably have the same problem, uh, politicians who've done nothing in their life oh, except yeah. go to college, they go work as a staff member in a political office, then they run for office, and then they're there for a whole lifetime. And when they pass, their spouse or kid takes their position and they have no perspective on real life. None. But yet they think they know everything. And it transcends political parties. Uh -huh. uh, it's an entitlement mentality yes. of people versus a servant leadership mm -hmm. role of citizen representation right. that I know our government was founded upon and I think is much better and healthier for each person as well as our entire country. Everything needs to be reset as far as I'm concerned with politics. <laughs> politics is, you know, um, has become a surge because it's all about self-interest and not, not representation of the people. And uh, it's become about that power at all costs. I don't care if it's right or not, I'm not gonna pass it because, and that it needs to be held accountable. We've done too much protection over politics. Instead, it should be like any other job. If you're not performing, you should be out. Well, as I, as I say, we have, we in the US, we have a government by career politicians for career lives, yeah. administered by career bureaucrats and covered up and protected by career media people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's something we have to do sometimes when we just things get a bit too much it's okay just go find somewhere to have a good screen right yes. <laughs> on a positive note um how do people get hold of your book how do they get hold of you how do they get hold of all of your books well, that's a great question. I appreciate that. I mean, everything's on Amazon and all booksellers and some of the books are on audio and nearly all of them are on Kindle. Uh, RichardBattle.com is my website. And especially the hardback version of Life's Daily Treasure is $15 cheaper than it is on Amazon. And everything that comes out of RichardBattle.com are signed copies as mm. well. Uh, they can email me, Richard at RichardBattle.com, and we enjoy speaking to any of your audience. And, of course, all of your books are on Amazon as well, right? Yes, and all, and all bookstores are available. Great, wonderful. Well, you know, it's it's great to, to interview somebody who's has such a diverse life. And, you know, you, you've had your old cosmic two-by-four more than once, but you chose <laughs> to get back up. You chose to, to look at, you know, uh, what now? 
you know, where can I go from here? What, what, would, what did this mean? And, you know, to explore the options and just explore the journey. Life is about taking the journey. It's not about the destination, right? You know, every, every chapter in your book, you could have a million book chapters. I don't care. It's just know that whatever's happening, if that's just one chapter, you don't have to get stuck in it. You can write another chapter. Keep the wonderment alive. Keep the optimism alive. Keep believing that things will get better, can get better, and you can make them better. Right? Yes, we all get absolutely. knocked down. It's about how do we get back up? That's, that's exactly the important true. thing. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Look at our athletes. The first thing they have to do is learn how to fall. <laughs> and you know, when you look at the skiing and they're jumping at those great heights and they come down and they fall and you're seeing them sliding down this ice. And it's like, you know, your heart is in your, you know, in your mouth and you go, oh, and then they just get up and brush it all off. You know, and it's, they had to learn to fall. Well, that starts with little kids when they're walking. Mm -hmm. So we, we all learn how to fall. The question is, what do we do when we fall? Yes. <laughs> do we just sit there and cry and wait for someone to pick us up? Or do we get back up on our own? Right? Yes, that's exactly true. And little kids learn that very easily because yep. they start crying and see how parents respond. Right. And how parents respond dictates a lot of that future child's development. Right, exactly. I have an 11-month-old grandson right now who's in that process of learning to walk and falls. <laughs> and it's, you know, when he falls down, I make fun of it. Yay! Come on, back up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think that's another thing. Learn from my kids. You know, learn from the, from the babies in discovery of everything and the wonderment. It is so Absolutely. just intriguing just to see him in his own little world. Leave him alone and let him play. The facial expressions that come over, I have no idea what's going through his head, but he's <laughs> engrossed in something, right? Mm, and it's yes. wonderful to see. Stop looking at, oh, they should be this by now. And they should be that by now. Just let them be. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight having you here. I'd love to have you back again down the road. Sarah, my pleasure. I'd love to come back anytime. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Folks, please go out and get his book. You know, the treasure of life is really in the living. So life's daily treasure, a wonderful way of each day. You kind of doing an affirmation in, in, in your life. And you, know, you need to do that sometimes because I know there are days that just can pull you down. So Reading that uh, day's affirmation um, sets you in a different mood set, reprograms your mind to wanting to have the positive and, you know, maybe add something yourself to it. They're like, da-da-da-da-da-da, and that becomes your mantra as well. But please, the sunny side of the street is always there. You've just got to walk over to it. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. Please tune in to our selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see all the other genres that we have from you. Every week on Tuesday, we bring you new shows from illuminating people. If you know someone that should be interviewed, please contact us at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com. Now stay tuned for your next show.